Welcome to the Sensible Center Podcast, where two middle-aged guys drunkenly talk politics and political reform. Grab an adult beverage and enjoy the show. Further information can be found at SensibleCenterPack.com. You can reach us at SensibleCenterPack at gmail.com or follow us on X at USASCPack. Hey, Happy New Year, Bob. How's it going? Happy New Year, Kevin. It's great. How are you? 2024. I'm. Yeah. Uh, we finally got some snow up here. You don't have snow down in, in Tennessee, no snow. do you? There's a potential for one to three inches sometime in the next few days, I think. That's what but she we'll said. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, we'll right? see. Yeah, yeah if I'm <laughs> on a good day. Hey, Happy New Year. <laughs> That's right. Happy New Year. Yeah, we're so gonna, you, go ahead. You were in Iowa. So you went and saw Donald Trump. Yeah. And Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley, correct? Yeah, that was no, not Nikki Haley. Oh, she you wasn't. Didn't see her? Uh, she wasn't in the area. I kind of tried to to pair up uh, a couple that were close, sort of in the northeast corner of Iowa, so I didn't have to drive very far. So it's kind of an impromptu trip. But yeah, I made it to just right before Christmas. I think it was the week before Christmas I went down there. Just out of curiosity, I've never attended any of those kind of rallies or political events. And I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting to go see, uh, especially to get the feel for Trump and what that crowd looks like and see what one of his events. And Vivek's kind of an interesting character. So the interesting thing was, uh, you know, my general impression of Trump is, was, uh, and I think I expressed it to you, and you, you had mentioned, I think you watched it online or whatever, um, you know, j- l- sort of low energy, I would say. Uh, I agree with what I saw. Yeah, not, not only him, but the crowd in general. I mean, I showed up. I didn't know how early to show up because you see these long lines and whatnot. And it was it was cold that day, but it wasn't, ter- it wasn't terribly cold. And I might have gotten there a couple hours early. And there were like maybe 20 people standing outside. <laughs> that gave me an indication. And then, you know, they let us in earlier got through the security i would say in regards to chairs it was at the convention center in waterloo iowa i would say as far as chairs there might have been a five or six hundred chairs and then there was a room for people standing but i mean there wasn't any i, I think he filled the chairs and you know maybe he had a couple more hundred people standing but it it wasn't anything crazy um the crowd i mean he, the guy the guy's entertaining i mean he spoke for an hour um it went by quick. Uh, you know, he throws in his, his funny lines. and um, But I went more to kind of try to determine sort of what what the people were like were there. And, I, you know, standing in line, I met some of them. Um, and I think just looking around, I think he draws an, clearly an older crowd than Vivek did. Um, I think he appeals to – he knows how to appeal to – everyone on their individual basis i don't think everyone likes him as a whole but he seems to appeal that to them i think they all like that he's not a politician and he speaks his mind beyond that i think you know there's the religious right in iowa uh, i had a lady sit next to me that her father uh, formed an organization when roe v wade went that was praying for the united states and she viewed trump as the guy who sort of delivered finally on uh, the abortion issue. Uh, there were a couple kids standing behind me in line 
were probably in their college age kids. I think he appeals to them sort of on a on a professional wrestling, sort of an entertainer, a larger than life personality basis. Older man in front of me who was, you know, saying some things about some of the reporters who were around as far as their ethnicity. I think he's sort of the Archie Bunker character where I would think yep. the border and some of that appeals to him. So, and then I think generally sort of guns, America, when you're in the heartland, that really appeals. Um, so it was sort of interesting seeing all the different types of personalities he, he appeals to. Generally, they're, they're, they're people. I mean, <laughs> they're, that's the, that's the point of it. They're, they're, they're people like anyone else. I, I don't think, and we could get into it a little later. We're going to talk about whether he's a threat to the existential threat to the country, but he appeals to them on certain bases and, and we should respect how they uh, view him. Um, whether we like him or not, uh, he appeals to them and they're making a judgment based upon that. Um, so, I don't know if you have anything, uh, any questions you got on that or, um, um, you know, I, I watched it. Um, I, I agree with the low energy stuff. Absolutely. Um, I think, I don't know, you know, if it's, he's four years older, I don't know if it's, he's just kind of waiting for things to play out. Maybe he's a little depressed because I, he's the only president I can remember in recent memory who left office with less money than he had when he went in. Right. And, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and he's still kind of fighting. It's, it's really, I don't know, pretty interesting to me. Vivek, on the other hand, um, I think in the last two weeks or so, he's really starting to get a following. Oh, I've had Vivek? a lot of people yeah. say to me in the last couple of weeks how much they like Vivek. Um, they've pretty much all said he's not ready yet, but they see him as a legit candidate in four years and eight years. Um, a lot of that, I think, is how he's kind of responded to the press or to the press and push back on things. Um, and I, I really agree with that stance. I, I don't think anybody in the GOP is going to overtake Trump. Um, I do. I think I said it in a previous podcast. I really think Vivek's right now running for practice. Uh, you know, he's just trying to build his experience. So in one of the future elections, he's got a, a decent shot at it. And right now, if right now, my belief is four years from now, unless there is somebody that's not in the race right now, that's really got some personality. I think the has got a great shot at getting, getting the nod. You know what I mean? So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Here's, here's my thing on him. So I, I went to go see him uh, the following morning and he was doing a town hall pretty much a, a diner uh, down the street from where I was having the hotel. Much younger crowd, more male, uh, I would say a young male crowd mostly, uh, which didn't surprise me, sort of the, I would call it the libertarian bro bro crowd. Um, the kid can talk a mile a minute, as we all know. Um, I think he does, he does <laughs> come across as a know-it-all. Uh, which I don't think is great uh, when you haven't really done any governing at all. Um, I think it's a lot harder than he probably uh, has the ability to process in his head. I think as a CEO or an entrepreneur, he's kind of directed things and had his way, similar to sort of Trump, but when you run up against Washington, I mean, he's got all these great ideas about cutting – 
great ideas um, about cutting uh, huge swaths of the federal bureaucracy out and here's how he's going to set it up. And I, I don't know. Uh, I would imagine he's going to get a lot of resistance to that. And I don't know if he's even thought that through. Uh, but he does appeal to the small government crowd, to say the least, it's attacking the, the, the three-letter agencies. Um, definitely doesn't want us getting involved in, in foreign wars. Um, other than that, um, I don't know how much more appeal he's got. I do think he would sort of be a good uh, offset to Trump a bit um, if they both ran together, simply because of the youth uh, and he is, he is high energy and he's a, he's a firebrand, um, which I think helps on a campaign trail. Um, but I do think he sort of needs to realize politics isn't just about having tons of answers and ideas. Um, but you're saying he's appealing to a certain crowd. I don't know if he's gaining any traction at all. I, um, I don't know if he's going to be in the, yeah. the long haul. Well, I, I don't, I don't think he's gaining traction necessarily for this year. I think Trump has it. But I've talked to quite a few people down here in Tennessee who really like him. And I've listened to quite a few podcasts and radio shows and things like that where he's getting a lot of good attention. Positive stories on him, positive talk on him. I don't think he's got a shot this time around, but I really do think that in the future he will have a decent shot. Do you think he's running for the future? I do. I, I do. Especially in the GOP. It takes a lot of years to build your candidates. I mean, think about how many years did McCain win before he actually got the nomination, right? But he's not in any sort of government role. I right. mean, do you, th do you really but, think he's going to be able to get the presidency? Trump being kind of the outlier. Well, I do believe if he's asked to take the vice presidency, he will, even though he said he doesn't want it. That yeah, would kind of take care of some of that for him. He definitely needs some type of role in, a, in an administration to have that kind of under his belt to give him some legit legitimacy. Yep. Now, the, the downside of that is if he doesn't actually perform some of the things that he's talking about, then that's a mark on your record. So it's sure. kind of the catch-22, you know? Once, you, once reality <laughs> hits, you either have to deliver or you don't. And often it's very hard to deliver and it's easier to talk about. Yeah, I mean, he, I he mean, was a personal guy. I don't I don't have any problem with him. I think he needs to adjust his personality a, a little bit. I mean, he's got some fairly wacky, out-of-the-box ideas. But like you said, in some ways we need out-of-the-box ideas. Um, he did, he's smart, clearly smart. Um he didn't take my question. I was gonna, I was gonna follow up on. We'll, we could talk later about the the Colorado ruling on Trump. Uh, this Colorado Supreme Court ruling occurred that day. So I was gonna, because I think he was on the air the the night before on the news shows saying, uh, I basically let the people decide. This is a travesty. My point was going to be who, maybe we could talk about it now. Who actually gets to decide that? So. The 14th Amendment, I guess Maine and Colorado now, um, have decided uh, not to put Trump on the ballot. Uh, it's been appealed. The Supreme Court's going to look at it. They've decided they're going to look at it uh, hopefully soon. Um, 
who gets to decide in regards to who's on the ballot and whether, I guess the wording is, I wrote down the wording of the 14th Amendment. So it says, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, which is the U.S. government, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. I think the aid and comfort is more likely than the insurrection or rebellion, but who gets to decide whether that occurs? You said, I think you said you thought he needed to be convicted on that charge. That's my thought on it. And, you know, I'll step back before I continue with that part of the conversation, but 14th Amendment was written around 1868, right? Yeah. What happened, you know, recent, or right around 18, the late 1860s, the end of the Civil War. War right. Oh, Civil War, yeah. <laughs> right. 1860s. I'm, I, I, I'm not, oh, yeah, I'm not great on my U.S. history, but yes, yeah, so, you say so. Yeah, well, it might be whatever you're drinking that we haven't talked about yet. But um, so that was meant very obviously for Confederates that left the Union, probably did some terrible things. Yep. Um, and they, you know, they were labeled insurrectionists. That said, there are many Confederates, some of which were actively fighting against the Union physically, um, that were still given positions in government. Oh, yeah, lots of them. Uh, yeah, right, after that. So uh -huh. whether or not that – so if you look at that and the precedents just set there, I've got some real questions about that, whether or not you so know, it was rare, that applies enforced, to today. Right. It was rarely enforced Secondly, when it was put in, right, yeah. Right. Secondly, there's no conviction. That's where you're going with it. So, yes, I mean uh, – if, if any state can label Donald Trump an insurrectionist without a conviction, mm -hmm. why can't Texas label Biden an insurrection, an insurrection, an insurrectionist, excuse me, and take him off the ballot? Well, if there's evidence to that and they could get several courts but, to decide that, well, I mean, there yeah, was a, there, there was a court but case, nobody, right? No court has I mean, decided a, that Trump's an insurrectionist. I mean, it That's, went to the highest court in Colorado. You can't, I mean, it's not like they just kind of decided on a whim. There was an argument made. There was evidence presented. I haven't read the opinion yet, which I need to do. But it's not like they just decided. I mean, we could talk about the immunity thing, too. Well, Maine, Maine but the slippery slope it, doesn't though. make sense. Maine, you just had one person decide that he's an insurrectionist. We're not putting one him on the ballot. So it hasn't it gone through the legal process. Nope. Well, nope. it's going to be challenged. Right. Well, yeah, of course. They're both okay. going to be challenged. So ultimately, it will it will go up through the court system in Maine also. But yep. looking at Colorado, they did do what they re were required to do. So you do think the states should be able to decide who's on their ballot or no? I don't know. I, I lean towards no. It's a federal election. The federal, but the state's it's a federal election. Elections. If he hasn't been convicted of that crime, at minimum in a state court, and if and, and he hasn't, the court can label him an insurrectionist, but they haven't convicted him of anything. So right there, there's no federal election officials, just to let you know. I mean, there's the Federal Election Commission, but they're just a, a, a board who, as far as I know, is, are fairly powerless and don't do much. So... All the election officials are on the state basis. 
So, and local bases. So they would be the ones who need to decide. Um, and then what authority would they have to go by? So if they can convict them of insurrection, although I think insurrection would be a federal law. So then you get into the, to the separation between federal and state and who has the power. Um, I mean, it's very confusing. I never thought we would have to think of these things. Yeah, <laughs> who, well, would who, think, would, who would, who think, would think, think that the 14th Amendment would come up? Yeah. But it has. And I don't think it's a political thing. I think it's a legitimate question. I absolutely I mean, the, think this is a political oh, thing. Oh, Bob. Uh, you it's and a legitimate I question. About it, it's, it's you in and the I are speaking about it. It's a legitimate question. It's a but, legitimate question. But them pulling him off is absolutely a political thing. I don't know. Do you not do not enforce the Constitution of the United States? It does say it. I actually think he was trying to overturn an election. I read the January 6th report. I kind of understand what he was trying to do. I was more concerned about the, the slate of electors rather than what happened on January 6th. But January 6th was not a great deal um, as far as trying to stop our peaceful transfer of power. I do think it was, and, and this will get into this, whether he's an existential threat, uh, it all kinds of feeds into each other here, um, which we haven't really talked about on this podcast before. But I do think it was a thing. I don't think it was a tour of the Capitol building. Um, I do think uh, everyone around him was telling him to stop it, and he didn't. Everyone around him was telling him he lost the election, and yet he he decided to pursue this path. Um, it's Has anybody close, ever Bob. told you something that was the opposite of what you believed? I, I'm I, sure it's happened. I'm, I'm absolutely sure it's happened. So you're saying he believed it, so it's okay. If he believes he won the election, I don't think he did. It is okay for I him don't to think say he that he won the election. If he believes it was stolen, but it doesn't. It's absolutely it's okay. okay to believe that and and speak his mind. Or he's got belief, the right to free speech. There's belief, and then there's action, right? Yeah. Okay. The action of saying things is one thing. No, again. If you can prove, so, if so it can, can be threat- proven that, like, insurrection, for instance, that's the January 6th business, right? I well, it's more than never that. heard him say, go to the Capitol, storm the Capitol, go inside, break down the doors. And again, there's plenty of video evidence showing police officers holding the door, letting people go in. So it you happened. think his government people, did not know people were coming to the Capitol that might have the intent to do that? You're, you're saying... They had no idea what was going on. I'm that's saying, a dereliction of duty. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely saying Trump did not encourage them to go in the Capitol and interrupt Congress. He, I believe, I'm sure he did, go tell them to go protest outside of Congress. He didn't tell them to storm Congress. And so once it started occurring... And there's ample evidence that they were following whatever he said. He didn't seek to stop it. And his advisors were telling him, and there's evidence, and there's testimony that they were telling him, even his family was begging him to do it, and he didn't. So as far as intent, I think he had an intent. Well, if he didn't, I would say potentially you could call him negligent of duty. 
but not an insurrectionist. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't know what an insurrectionist is. I'm some someone would have to judge that a, a jury of peers. Yeah, it'd Sm be interesting because if, if I was the, you, that, that begs the question: Will the Supreme Court? Is it possible for the Supreme Court to strike down an amendment because it's too broad? Because it happens with laws all the time. Which yeah, have to I don't. Be done by Congress. No, I think it's. I don't think they could strike down a law, uh, especially if it's in a well, it's in they, the Constitution. So they can't, yeah, well, that's they the, can't yeah, rule courts can say courts can say a law is too broad and therefore it is not a good law. It needs to be rewritten. It's not you know can't take effect. But yeah, th in this case, it's a, it's an actual amendment. It's constitutional, right. so it can't be written to be unconstitutional. Really interesting. Let, let me put it this way, Bob. D did you ever imagine in your lifetime you would see what was going on on January 6th? I know I didn't. I didn't even have that. I never imagined in my lifetime I would have seen the George Floyd stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, you mean the riots? The riots. Not the actual police murdering George Floyd. I've known there are a few scattered bad cops out there uh -huh. right I, I think probably the majority of people in this country doesn't matter what color you are have had interactions with cops that that uh weren't great interactions through no fault of your own right sometimes you get pulled over and the cops in a bad mood especially when you're a kid right um so that didn't that necessarily surprise, surprise me that right? the people who I, would react to it in such a manner would be surprising I, I, I did not verify this, but I, I did read the other day that, um, the, what was his name, Derek Chauvin, the cop that killed him. Yeah, he got stabbed a little bit, I think. Well, yeah, he did, but kneeling on, okay. on that guy, on Floyd, ah. the way it, he was, apparently was actually written into the police handbook as an acceptable and safe practice. Really? But those pages of the handbook were not allowed in court. Was this on Twitter? I cannot remember or where I read formally that. Formally noticed Twitter. It's possible. It definitely yeah. is. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't actually verified that. I've read it. Um, I. So uh, your take on rolling back to January sixth. Your yeah. take was, okay, he didn't cause the people to go to the Capitol, and. I think that's the Let weakest me step back part one of the second case. Too and say I think should, nobody should kneel on anybody's neck. I'm not excusing that guy's actions at all. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Back to the conversation. <laughs> we could have dropped that in in the editing process. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think, yes, it's hard to de determine. I would say it's weaker to say his you know, talking at the rally and his overall stance led the people to go to the Capitol. But one, he didn't, after they started taking it over, show any desire to stop it. Two, there were conversations about his vice president, his vice president, who stood up to the, with the guy for years, all the BS. He cut him loose like nobody's business. I mean, there's a, there, there, I mean, there, there's some evidence coming out now that uh, Trump 
one of his advisors, Nick Luna, said to Trump uh, that Pence was in danger, and he said, "So what?" I mean, <laughs> I have read that. Yeah. I mean, come on. So yeah, I don't know what an insurrection means, but it sure smells like it. And my bigger problem is, is the calls to the states to find votes and the the conspiracy to to put together these fake electors. That's that's really sort of third world stuff. Um, I mean, that's going to come out in court if if Fanny's still around at the end of the day. But that's another thing. Um, shame on her if she did it. Um, but it, it it's got the scent of it. So I don't personally. I don't like the idea of states um, taking people off ballots. I just don't think I do do think that's a I didn't know it was possible I didn't know anything about the 14th amendment to now and thank you Donald Trump we 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 understand the constitution of the United States more than we ever have uh which People I guess is a involved. good thing People right it's a civic lesson so we yeah. have him to thank for that right we're learning we're learning about these things and we're having these discussions and debates I don't necessarily think it's a good thing for this state to take this person off the ballot or this state but I don't but it's in the Constitution, so I don't know how to get around that. So if he's if he's convicted of conspiracy, or the ninety one uh, you know accounts, not they're all not related to the election, but election interference and all of those charges, uh, defrauding the American people, that wouldn't count towards taking him off the ballot. It would have to be an insurrection charge. Is that what your point is? He needs to be charged with that and convicted. Right. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, it'll be because interesting otherwise to there's see no, this... I mean, there's no measure. It's got to be measurable. Yeah, it doesn't say he, it doesn't say in the Constitution that he would need to be convicted of it. I would just point that out for the constructionalists. Uh, it doesn't say, uh, and it says this, or given uh, aid or comfort. So he doesn't even have to be in it engaged in the, the insurrection or rebellion as long as he gives aid or comfort and mm, mm, when you're when you're talking about uh pardoning all those people and calling them hostages uh who, who participated in that mm, uh, aid and comfort again, i don't know what did those people do they the doors were open were being ushered in. That's right. The FBI opened the doors. The, the cops. The FBI opened the doors. Literally, said, the Come cops were in. literally holding the doors. Mm -hmm. Cops were literally holding the doors. Right. I remember a few podcasts right. ago. I, I mentioned Ray Epps to you. Right. I don't know if you followed up on who that guy was. I didn't was, follow up on Ray Epps. I don't remember what it was, but I got a chuckle out of it. He was standing out there with a bullhorn. Storm the Capitol. Go in. Storm there. the Capitol. Go in. It took them till couple months ago to finally charge him with something and they gave him probation when they've given some people 20 some years who weren't even there right it's a little fishy and there's stories at least uh, I won't say evidence right now because I can't remember what I read back when I was reading about him that he's got ties to the FBI or some other agency right well, I, I don't necessarily put too much weight into any of that, but I did hear that they were taking tickets, that people had time tours, but that the cameras didn't show that. But 
It looked to me, to me, it looked like they were trying to interrupt the proceeding to certify the election, but you could, you could see it however you want to see it, I guess. I mean, that's what happened, right? I mean, the building was evacuated. Uh, The peaceful transfer of power had to wait. Um, What's the name of the gentleman in, in Congress that pulled the fire alarm to stop a vote? Should he be charged the same way then? 20 some years in, in jail. Uh, should he be? He, was that, he pulled was a fire alarm to, to stop a peaceful, political proceeding. Uh, well, if he did something wrong or illegal, yes, he should be charged. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. I, well, his name's char- Bowman, maybe. Somebody should charge him. I mean, if the facts are that he did it on purpose to, to whatever. Uh, I'm sure there's charges other than yeah. I'm sure it's illegal to pull a fire alarm without a fire. It doesn't, it doesn't even have the, uh, the Democrats were trying to delay a vote. Representative Bowman pulled the fire alarm. And the excuse he made was he thought the fire alarm would open the door. <laughs> and he was just trying could to go be. out. I mean, he should have his day in court. Maybe he was confused. I mean, I've, yeah. I've almost walked through the emergency door several times. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Well, walking through an emergency door is a little bit different than pulling a fire alarm. But I would I would say the facts, given the timing of it, and you know I did read a little bit about it that that it probably was to delay the vote, and he should be held to account for whatever whatever that is. So, well, by it. your definition, and I'm being a little facetious there, um, that's an insurrection. I don't th- think that's an insurrection. <laughs> Me either. I, I hope you're. I hope you're being a little bit more than facetious. But I appreciate your analogies. But like <laughs> I said, if if I'm not going to defend the guy for doing something like that, if that's what he did, what do I care? Um, so, based upon the conversation we just had, then I'll ask the question: Is Trump an existential threat to democracy? Hmm. And that's clearly so. To put a context around this, the reason why we're talking about it, Biden's clearly running his campaign on that basis, right? This is all about saving democracy, which I think Mick Romney wrote a, a opinion piece in the New York Times saying that's not the direction you want to go here. And I sort of agree with Mitt. Uh, and we could talk about Chris Christie. I heard somebody say a joke, and being an overweight person myself, I'd like to laugh at fat jokes, that the Republican field got a lot thinner today. That's funny. I always thought you were just big bones. <laughs> I don't know if the person said it on purpose or it just came out that way, but they said, yeah, Christie dropped out and they, the Republican field got a lot thinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. It's funny. <laughs> but he, but I guess he did a... Uh, going away speech and basically said, you know, he's going to, his cause is to make sure Donald Trump doesn't get back in the white house. And then he managed to demean both the two contenders who had any chance of defeating Donald Trump. I guess he thinks Biden's going to take out Trump. I don't know. Uh, it's not looking good for Biden. Maybe. He'll but... sweet... So anyway, so that's the context of whether he is truly an accident existential threat it's been talked about but now people are actually campaigning on that uh, because they sort of see the the train coming de- further down the tracks right 
Everyone's staring it into the headlights now. It's January 2024. Uh, we're, uh, what, 11 months away uh, now from the from Election Day. So uh, people are getting a little bit more nervous about this. Uh, do I think he's... In 2016, I didn't. Let me just say that. I thought he was an unconventional candidate. A little bit dangerous. I didn't like the fake news stuff. Um, I would have preferred to be more constructive, not that the media is without fault and not that it doesn't need to, to up its game. But uh, it's a very authoritarian move to start demeaning uh, the media and starting to create alternative facts, which, you know, I, Democrats it's a though, little, are trying to it's remove a little dangerous. They're trying to remove people's ability to vote democratically. They're leaning towards Democrats being more an existential threat to democracy than Trump. Well, let's stay on Trump and then we could talk about the Democrats. So I actually gave him the benefit of the doubt. I didn't think he was going to win in 2016. I do think he won the election. Um, I read the Mueller report. I don't think there was a, a conspiracy or collusion with Russia. They were sort of playing a little bit fast and loose, especially Roger Stone and, and uh, Manafort and some of the other characters that he's surrounding him. I don't think it was a great look, uh, but I don't think the election was stolen or anything. He, he won. Hillary committed an unforced error. She should have beat him. She took it for granted. She said stupid things. So that's 2016. And I'm like, well, maybe he'll govern differently. So, and it's not even so much as policies per se, uh, because policies, we could all disagree or agree on certain things. Certain people are more conservative. Certain people agree in a bigger government, smaller government. Um, it's just the, the plethora of misinformation, the, the chaos and it's not even, you could read, I've read books by people who were in the administration, people he hired and praised at one time that turned on him completely. You've never seen such things before. Um, that got me saying, well, you know. Here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, look at look at what he did while he was in office. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, first of all, let me, let me acknowledge what you said about people turning on him and things like that and what they said. It's obvious Trump would not be an easy guy to work for. He's probably that boss you've had in your past that you just could not wait till either he got promoted out, you you moved out, or you left a job because of, right? There's a lot of that. And then, of course, in the political arena, there's money to be made by bad-talking Trump books, going on TV, that sort of stuff. But mm -hmm. it, back to his record, there were no new wars under Trump. Legal immigration was down. Mm -hmm. More people voted in that election that he lost yep. than any other one. Yep, all facts. People were more involved, more engaged, and we just had that conversation, but I think the same goes for now. People are more involved and engaged in politics now than they had been 10 years ago, right? So Probably I think because they view him as an existential threat, but whatever. That, that may be the case. That said... Involvement is good, right? I agree. I, you know, look at that record and just compare it to the current guy. There's new wars. Illegal immigration is so bad right now that 
even the sanctuary he, cities he, are having a problem with it. I, I don't think we're currently fighting any wars, but go ahead. We're we're, we're funding wars. We're providing support yep. to democratic institutions if we as we've done throughout whether you agree with it or not we're, we're we're not actively fighting wars so that's not fair to say nor did we start any yeah but yeah no i i think biden's war funding biden has dropped some bombs well, i think trump dropped a few too soleimani for instance but um the money we're spending on wars whether they're ours or not we're making them ours under Biden is definitely more than it was under Trump. I don't disagree. Um, I don't. Uh, when I look at Trump's record, generally speaking, I think the vast majority of controversy was created by the media more so than Trump. Trump knew how to get the media all worked up and what would get him the attention and the ratings that he craved and all of that. I'll give it you played that. right. It played right into his hands. It all played into his hands. If they would have ignored him, and you know, we talked about the court cases too. If he's ignored, that's the worst thing for him. Yeah. It, if I was to make one point in support of Trump being an existential threat to the country, it's all the spending he did, and I'm sure he'll continue that if he gets reelected. Right. right I'll spending, go back to the first budget he signed. He didn't drain the swamp, right? Yep. If he I mean, if he actually he built the wall no and the if he actually built the wall and secured the border, I don't think we'd ha be having the issues that we have now. I think the he Democrats did. Wouldn't let I think him he did. That. I think he, he did benefit from the, court battles. the stay in Mexico policy, which, rightly or wrongly, I th probably think Biden should have continued that clearly, um, and he benefited from, on the immigration front, COVID. Um, and the emergency measures to shut down the border. So he didn't he didn't solve immigration or the border crisis. I don't I wouldn't give him credit for that. He ran on locking up Hillary. Never did that. Never pursued anything in regards to that. Draining the swamp didn't do that. Um, economically, um, is it better now than it was then? Outside of the debt. Clearly, prices have gone up. That was, to me, I, I would say largely a COVID issue. If you look around the world, we're actually probably in better shape as far as growth and inflation than a lot of the rest of the world. Um, he, like you said, he didn't really do anything on the debt front. He made it worse. Um, so I would, on the policy side, and I think giving it to China a bit is, is fine. I think pushing NATO to do more, fine. Um, so on the policy front, sort of a mixed bag, but all the other stuff, um, that's that's the issue I have. And then, and then you have the election. And I think that in it of itself, what he did on that basis absolutely disqualifies him and possibly makes him, I, I'm not certain that if he got in power, but he is saying things, he is saying things like suspending the Constitution. He has said that, Bob. He has said that he's going to seek revenge. He has said that. Whether you believe him or not, whether he's talking out his ass or not, 
He is saying these things. Yeah, I think he's one calling, of the DAs that charged calling, him from, in New York said the same vermin. thing. He's calling – they're not the president of the United States. They're not running for the highest office in the land. So – and besides that, you know, you, you get into – you, you can into- you can argue you can argue him calling people vermin vermin and names isn't presidential. I'm and you can make the determination mm-hmm. that that is one reason that you don't want to vote for the guy. Fine, I, I think it doesn't playing, make him a threat to democracy. I think he's playing in dangerous waters more than any other politician I've seen during my lifetime. I think if you look at his supporters and you look at the, the number of guns in this country, um, you know, I would suggest you read a book that's called It Can't Happen Here. It was written in the, I think, in the 40s. Um, we, we need to pay attention to what people are saying and doing. We can't, and I, you know, I understand the Trump derangement system and I, I you know. Syndrome. Media, syndrome and the, the media and their fascination with him. But. We can't necessarily just write it off, and um, it is terribly concerning for me um, because there are a lot of hallmarks that can lead us in that direction um, where we do lose our democratic system. Undermining our elections, oh my. without that, I don't know where we're at. Undermining our, the media undermining our justice Trump. system. Undermining a justice system and saying it's political, undermining the FBI, our legal system—he's done all of it. He's done well, all of it, and it's I, I don't, all of the institutions. Saying it's political doesn't make it. But an, he's undermining them. How many people? Uh, how many people have oh, had to go please. to court for whatever situation, and they're they're saying they've been, you know, framed or bad cop, dirty cop, bad. I mean, everybody he's, always they're says not that. Running position for doesn't make a difference. They're not this running is, for president of the United States. It, the position he's running for doesn't matter yes, in the scheme does. of things. He, he still has a right to matters. free speech. It absolutely matters. If he's the leader of the country, he it needs can to matter be. to you as a voter, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be given the opportunity to run for president. Let the voters decide. I know you're fine with undermining our institutions, but I'm saying that that is very dangerous because once that goes out, you will be surprised at what that will be replaced with. And I don't I'm think, fine with I don't better think solutions be for institutions. It. I'm not fine for undermining institutions. I'm fine for implementing better solutions for our institutions. Yeah, I don't Let's see. I, don't, better, I, I didn't see that happen. I didn't see that as being the thrust of what he was doing, or what he's. He doesn't talk about any of that. Now he doesn't talk about it. It's all a, a, a grievance campaign. It's all attacking. It's all fear. There's no, I completely, there's no... I completely agree with you. That that's one of the points I think I made actually when I was watching him in Iowa, and I, that's the only campaign speech I've watched because, and it's because you were there. I agree. There was no real content at all in that speech. Completely agree with you. Do I think he's the best candidate? No, absolutely not. Listen, I'm starting to like Ramaswamy more. I like DeSantis more. Absolutely. I really wish Rand Paul was in there because I'd probably vote for him before any of those guys. Santis is solid. That said, I'm just arguing the guy deserves a chance. 
He's got every right to the chance. I'm not. I completely agree with you. What is he even running on? Yeah, it's. I, it, it, I think a lot of it is emotion. Probably it's half the country well, at this point saying, "We're going to get you." Right. I mean, it, it is a little bit of that. I, Which I think if I you mean, watch it's a, Biden it's a dub, five it's a years ago when dub. he was running, it's the same thing. It was half the country voting for Biden because they wanted to get Trump, not because the. I mean, if you listen to Biden speak at all, he was he's not much worse now than he was five years ago. He was awful then. He mumbling. He's got no confidence. He 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 instills no confidence in me that he's a good leader and he's capable of leading anything. Yeah, I I think we agree on neither of these two are would be our candidates. Biden wasn't my guy last time. Uh, I'd rather not have him running this time. Uh, we both agree that we'd rather have somebody running besides Trump. But again, we both know where this train's going at this point. Given the difference in the two, I do think, and you can talk about why you think Biden's a threat to our democracy or is existential threat to the country. Um, I will grant you the border is horrible. It's a unforced, it's a unforced error. I have no idea what, they were thinking. Um, I do think, I, I mean, clearly the administration made decisions. Um, I do think we need to solve the whole immigration issue as part of a whole, but we need to at least secure our border and Perfect not, example not do stupid things. Biden and, and the issues with him. Our defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, if you didn't hear this story, he oh, went yeah. missing for days. <laughs> couple days, three, two, White, three days. White House didn't know about it. White House didn't know. I'm wondering if somebody in the Department of Defense knew. They must have, right? I, I mean, did he call the answers in HR seen, department? I, yeah, I was wondering how that exactly works. Myself, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But my, from, the evidence seems to show, based on questioning, that nobody was covering for him. <laughs> that's, pro- that's a problem. It's a problem. There's, yeah. It's incompetence. You know, I mean, I, look at his cabinet those around him he puts around him it's more virtual signaling signaling than competency you can't tell me you think the current press secretary is any good the guy he had in charge of the nuclear stuff was stealing women's suitcases from airports so he could wear their clothes i mean and that's two right that's, and the, that's diversity there's, bob there's plenty more examples these people aren't competent. They're not competent leaders. I you, you, I know you and I agree and disagree on Pete Buttigieg. I right. think he's done a terrible job as transportation secretary. Awful. Kamala I'm not Harris, arguing he's done a great job. Kamala Harris has not done a great job, right? I mean, it's not just Biden that seems to not be capable in my eyes. It's the people he puts around him. And that is the problem. Did you think of that when Obama was president? Or did you have more confidence in Obama? The people around Obama, generally speaking, were pretty good. Okay. Um, so you had more confidence in the administration now? Yeah, now it's, absolutely. Okay. And and I've kind of been wanting to make this point for most of this conversation. And the reason I hadn't is we were, it would take us off path, but it's going to take, we're already way off path. Right around the time of George W. Towards the end of his presidency, 
granted, I think he made quite a few mistakes with the, the wars. Um, and I don't think he was a particularly great president, mostly because of the wars. But I started to see a real change in how the media presented news and politics. And the media really went after Bush hard that, the last two years. And it, it, some of it was deserved, but some of it went not just from criticism of the guy, but to promotion of the Democrats. And the media started pushing really hard for the left Democrat, left, left candidates, really hard against the right. And it just amplified from there. And as a result, you got more, you know, this is where I think we really started to get more divided as a country. And we started to get more to the extreme on the left and the right. As a result, the rhetoric on the right got more extreme and aggressive. Result of that was obviously candidates in Congress now, right, are, are different than they were 10 years or when in Bush's time and before. Same thing goes for the left. And now, you know, they're getting more extreme going after each other more. And I really think it's media driven. The media got more aggressive than the right media got more aggressive. And here we are today. Well, yeah, I, really I, mean, think, I, I think I, the problem is in the media sphere and that extends to social media at this point. Yeah. I think you've pointed it out is that before Trump, right? The problem isn't Trump. Mm. I, I, Again, he just, I'm not he he's just, the best he, candidate. He just amplifies it all, Bob. He's yes, not he he's not the source. He just takes what's there and turns it up to eleven. Right? Which I think is not needed or called for at this point in this country. Um and I think you're right, social media, the media and now social media and that's partly why we're having this podcast and we're going to have somebody on in a couple weeks, two people to, to kind of talk about how to have civil discussions and bring it all back down and hopefully bring, but yeah, the social media, the media all have to kind of realize that this is not going to end well if we continue down this path. Um, but Trump just turns it up even more. And that's where I think the danger comes in uh, besides the narcissistic, aspects and things like that uh which are part of his personality um so uh, if i was going to rate biden um i'd probably give him a c um on just general performance i think economically um things are probably better than i thought um remember he came in while covid was still raging uh, got the vaccine stuff done. I would say that last COVID bill was a big mistake. Uh, we could talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, whether that made sense or not. Uh, but one of those two things weren't needed, which poured several more trillion dollars and and led to additional inflation. But like I said, if you look at the rest of the world, um, we're not an anomaly and we're probably doing a bit better. Uh, the debt stuff clearly but I didn't rely on him to cut the debt. The border, I think, is his biggest fault. Um, I don't think he caused either of the two wars that are, are are occurring. We could talk about whether we support it. We should support it or not. Um, I don't think we should be giving our money away at this point. I think um, any aid should be 
tied to something else uh, if we decide that we, from a national security standpoint, that we should aid them. Um, so I would say a C. It sounds like you you would go with a lower grade, um, at least on the policy aspects of it. So you you don't necessarily think he's a threat because of the age issue. Uh, I think it's incompetence. It's incompetence. So you could call it age. He's a threat because of age. I mean, because of ability, not age. Okay. I mean, he's you know falling, tripping. He can't speak. Can't have. Can't get a sentence out. He's pooping in front of the Pope. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't done that, Bob? Who? He's as the leader of our country. You've got to garner some bit of respect. And I do think that Trump's demeanor made other countries think about the actions that they took. I don't I think, think that Biden's demeanor or anybody, or I should say, or many in his cabinet is affecting uh, world politics in a positive manner. I will grant you if if – if your definition of respect is putting the world on edge, I, I do think Trump would be effective in that regard. Um, I think people didn't know what he was going to do next, uh, which you could argue in some ways is not a bad thing, right? Um, because it does make them think a little bit more uh, and not take things for granted, uh, but it could backfire also. Uh, it didn't. I'll, I'll grant you that it didn't, um, North Korea didn't send a nuke over or any, anything like that. Um, and like you said, we didn't get involved in any wars during his tenure. I think COVID helped with that, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, with you. I, I, <laughs> I think the I, will, I actually, I think, I think Trump knew and he said it. I, so I know he knew that it came from, from a lab. I think he I don't knew. Think that's been proven, I, I think he but... could have been more aggressive, potentially on demanding some things from China. As a result, yeah, um, uh, that's fair. Um, I think so. So just, just kind of wrapping this up. Um, so I, I, I think that's a good discussion. I, I I'm not a hundred percent convinced he's an existential threat. Um, I do think there's a lot of hallmarks. I heard some commentator on MSNBC today saying, well, this will be the last election. I, I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, probably 60% there, <laughs> not 100% there. Uh, but I, he does concern me. Why would it be the last than, election? Because he's not He's not going to give up power and um, he's never going to absolutely give up power. I mean, that's what these I mean, people I, think. I, I, yeah, but you said you're sixty percent there. I mean, he he wants there's to win, a lot of, but he doesn't. A lot of things. He does, he's not wanting to cheat the game. He wants to play within uh, the rules of the game, and he wants uh, to win the game. And to him, the game uh, is winning that election. Once he wins that election, his two terms are over, and it's done. Game, the game's over. That's. Uh, he's I, not. I, of of any president in the history of this country he would be more likely not to give a power than anyone else. Let's just put it that way. 
Um, well, outside of the ones that didn't, you know, who did? we had presidents with multiple terms. Well, that was all legal, I believe, at the time. Yeah, it was legal. Okay. Um, then one of my things is, okay, now he leads in the polls. Uh, what happens if he loses? <laughs> what well, happens if he loses the same 2024? Stuff as last time. I mean, he'll, he'll whine, he'll pout, he'll stomp his feet. Yeah. Say it wasn't fair. Democrats cheated. What is what is all the people, the 70 million people who vote for him do? The same thing they did last time. They stormed the Capitol? No. <laughs> all right. I mean, right. They, they just go. That, that's a fair point. I mean, and, 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 but I didn't mean that, you know. Okay. I mean, so one other thing I wanted to cover is this uh, immunity uh, trial. Uh, I don't know how much you've listened to that. I actually listened to, uh, I think CNN was carrying the audit, audio. Because it's another, it's another insta- interesting constitutional question, whether the president has complete immunity while in office for all actions taken. So I, we talked about it a little bit. Um, here's how I come out on that. And I think we're on the same page as far as this and the 14th Amendment piece. I don't think a president has absolute immunity. He should have immunity when performing the constitutional duties, right? as president, right? You don't want people second guessing um, cuz he's this is the Pandora's box issue and he's brought it up already with Obama and and Biden as far as prosecuting them for either not in mismanaging the border or dropping drones on US citizens, right? Which I would argue are both sort of official duty uh policy type things. Um the judge in the one of the appeal court judges in this case famously now asked his attorney whether if Trump ordered a SEAL team to assassinate a political rival, would he be able to be charged for that? And the answer his attorney gave him is if he was impeached and convicted in an impeachment proceeding through the U.S. Congress which I think was equivalent to the answer that the three university presidents gave when they were testifying before Congress as a wrong answer, right? Wrong Mm -hmm. answer? Yes. Wrong answer. I don't think you have to be, because impeachment is a political process, right? Well, here's the thing though, that, that premise, and I just, I want to step back because it's kind of intense. It's far fetched. Who's he going to order to assassinate the political rival? Here. He's commander-in-chief, correct? Yeah, sure. They're they're to follow orders as long as it's legal. And I think, (laughs) actually, when I was reading about the accidental crisis. That is not legal. I mean, it would have to be. How is it not legal? He says this person is a national security threat. Super secret. Take him out. But even then. You've got to have the evidence. This is how it happens. This is how it happens in an authoritarian regime. You take out your political rivals, right? You assassinate them. They disappear, right? Our system, 
does not allow that. I agree completely. His attorney gave the wrong answer. <laughs> because if his party party's in power, as judged by the January 6th uh, impeachment, and it was funny that Mitch McConnell actually said that it should be decided by the courts, and now his attorney's arguing it, saying it should be decided by Congress. It's kind of circular. But, okay, so we agree on that, right? Impeachment, yeah, you don't have to be impeached on it to be charged later. So then Correct. you get into the distinction between an official and non-official duty, right? Yep. Um, so I would argue that his campaign for president uh, is a non-official duty, right? I would argue that as well. Okay. So his legal argument is fair elections is a duty of the president because it's protecting the laws and the rights of the citizens of this country, right? So making sure that the elections were fair um, is part of his official duty. And that's what he was doing. Do you buy that argument? I do. So you don't yeah, think, I think he, he... I think he loses the immunity argument. But you don't... It's think a stall tactic. He, but you, you agree with his legal counsel then. This was in... He was doing this in the line of duty. Although, I guess you... you I guess you're saying he didn't need to be impeached on it. And I, I guess... So you can convict someone while they're performing their official duties. I guess that's what we agreed on the CLP. Yeah, but I think there's plenty of precedents for that happening before. I also think there's probably some backdoor laws and rules where, you know, I think we probably got agents undercover doing all kinds of things that we would consider illegal that are sanctioned. I guess that's maybe a little too into the, in the weeds, but I think in this particular case, it's very difficult. And for me, I don't see it to argue that, that Trump had immunity. I mean, I understand the Pandora's box argument, right? And again, he's, he's raising similar to the 14th amendment. He's raising things that haven't been raised before. Right. I mean, it's it's an interesting argument um, that you don't want people looking over the president's shoulders. You don't want them judging it. But what's the where's the line, right? Yep. I mean, I can think, you uh, can you bring a charge against Obama for dropping a drone on a U.S. ordering the drone to strike on a U.S. citizen overseas? Uh, the government argued that you have to look at the, the context and the facts, which I, I yep. sort of agree with. It, it, every case is going to stand on its own. If somebody yeah. wants to try to bring those charges, I don't even know what law would would have been, or even on the border, what law would have been, was violated. Well, yeah, he was punishing without a trial. So on the surface. Right. Not due process, um, right? Yep. So on the surface, you know, you'll, if you, if you don't know all the details, you look at it and say, yeah, you know, like, he was wrong. But the truth I is see. he was uh, the, not Obama, but the, uh, you know, the guy who died. All right. 
was fighting for a foreign uh, enemy. Right. I, I think technically it would fall under the cover of war yep. and yep. and simple, and simple a as that. threat to national security. So yep. I don't think any case would ever go. But this is what a guy running for the president of the United States and his attorney are arguing rightly or wrongly. <laughs> I don't think it's quite the same. Then you look yeah. at Biden, Biden mismanaging the border. What, what would be the, yeah, what would be the law <laughs> law that was violated? I don't know. Um, well, yeah, there's probably 10 or 20 arguments for that, that you could actually make, but well, know, we'll protecting see. the well-being of our citizens would be one of them in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, when he becomes president, we'll see if he brings charges against Biden. Yeah. <laughs> he could still bring charges yeah, against won't. Hillary, I guess. He won't. He won't bring any charges against Biden. Uh, on another subject, what do you think of Hunter showing up for the contempt hearing today? I, I only was... saw a little bit, and I don't know what that was about. I, I had a busy day today. I, I will say I've read that he stormed out. Yeah, he did walk out. I don't Marjorie know why. Taylor Green was asking him questions he didn't like. Yeah, Nancy Mace and Marjorie Taylor. Uh, I don't know if he didn't anticipate them saying stuff to him. Uh, I think the stunt as itself is, I like that the idea they're holding him in, having a hearing to hold him in contempt and he's sitting right there and they won't ask him questions in a formal hearing. I, I understand why they don't want to, and I do think he's on the wrong side of it because I think it's standard procedure to have uh, private hearings on these things. It's not unusual. It's what they do, rightly or wrongly. Um, so I do think he needs to show up for that. Um, so I don't know where this ends. I, I think they are going to gonna hold him in contempt, and we'll see what goes from there, but I, I think ultimately he is going to show up and speak to them in a private because I don't think he wants to go to jail on contempt charges. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder too. Yeah. I still don't fully believe Biden's going to be the Democrat candidate. I could see him kind of bowing out and then yeah, just I doing a pardon for everything on, on Hunter saying that's it. You know, I would have thought after the holidays, you know, you would have come Maybe. back and, and said, oh, you know, I gave it some thought, spent time with the family, and I'm going to let just, somebody else take it from here. But I just don't think the Democrats happen. want a primary. I really don't think they want a primary. So you think it's just going to happen at a convention? They're going to shoot yep. short somebody in? More near the convention, right? That's, Give them two weeks to a month to kind of a good, build up energy. That actually might not be a bad theory. I mean, similar to, to the Trump not debating anyone, it's like, don't confront anything, right? If it's a referendum just on the other guy, yep. keep your guy as clean as possible and shoehorn him in at the end. I mean, That's that right. would be, I, I don't think the Democrats are that bright to, to actually have that plan, but that wouldn't be a bad plan. I, I Yeah, I, it's not just the cleanliness of it, it's the fact that in today's world, and you can consider Trump an extreme candidate if you want. I would, I would, I don't know if I'd consider him extreme. I would consider him different than 
the general preference of the GOP, I think the Democrats would have a similar issue. You know, I, I don't know if it would be, for instance, um, Bernie, who the party's known not to really like, but it would be Bernie or a similar candidate that potentially would win in a primary. And they just don't quite want to deal with that more so than dirtying their candidates. I think they have a preferred candidate or two that they would like to put in there, and that's what they'll do. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be that'd be interesting. You know, it'd just be kind of like a last minute. Trump's got all this momentum. You see it, and then all of a sudden, last minute, they drop a name in your face and say, "Here's the candidate." And everybody, then it, it's easier for the media to drum up, "Hey, this is great." Right, you could get a lot story. of momentum and yep. fund. And I mean, you don't have to waste all that. those funds in the primary, right? That's right. You'd have a lot of of dry powder for uh, for uh, financial support at that point. Yep. You have Biden up there endorsing them. And all the problems of the Biden administration disappear. That would include these wars. That would include inflation. That would include the Hunter stuff. Yep. I, I mean. Just disappear. Off, I, you know. I, I didn't think of that. And it's sort of brilliant, which is the reason why it'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too smart a political strategy to do that. We'll see. I'm going to go with the old guy. I don't know. Well, I think uh, you got anything else on these things? Otherwise, we should probably wrap it up. You've got a house to move into, right? That's right. I am going to be moving in a few days. Congratulations. Thank you. And you have a vacation to take. I'm on a, a flight to Australia. Australia. Looking forward to having some blooming onions. I heard they make them really, really good down there. <laughs> they have Outback down there? That's all they have, Bob. It's all like heaven. Outback. And I'm like gonna watch... an Olive Garden in Italy. No, I'm going to have to look it up and see if there's any Olive Gardens gonna, in Italy. I'm, I'm going to watch. Yeah, I'm going to watch the water go down the toilet in the opposite direction. That's always a thrill. That is on my bucket list. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring copies of my book and put them in in the behind the seats in all the planes that I travel on. <laughs> yeah, have we had a podcast? Did we talk about your book in the last one. No, I think we did. No, I don't think it it didn't officially come out to right before Christmas. Kevin has but a I new do, book. I Let's plug it book. real quick. I read Bob it. Is, it's great. Bob has read it. He's gave a good great review. It's called The World as I Know It, available uh, on Amazon in an ebook or a paperback. Uh, I've done some limited book signings. Uh, I've gotten good feedback from everyone who's read it thus far. So uh, it's actually sold more than I had anticipated. So I'm happy with that. And I encourage anyone who, who likes this podcast and listens to. Uh, order my book. Let me know. Although I haven't checked my, the, I did set up an email address for the book. I haven't, I haven't checked it yet. So maybe there's some complaints there. <laughs> maybe there's some negative feedback. So have you made number uh, one on the New York Times bestseller list yet? Not yet. I haven't figured that out. Got to get um, some moment. You know what you should have done when you took that picture with Vivek Ramaswamy is yeah. you should have been handed him the book as the picture's taken. Oh, then, that would have been good. Right. Oh, Bobby, I need you as my promotion agent. I don't think of these things. Yeah, just go meet the Prime Minister of Australia next week. It'd be fine to do. Slip the book in. Or her. Slip the book in. And uh, before we go, what were you drinking tonight? Or were you not drinking anything? I actually opened a Four Roses single barrel OESO blend, and it's fantastic. It's probably the best bottle of bourbon I've opened in quite some time. How about you? Four Roses. 
I always yes. took Four Roses to be. I mean, they were never a high end brand. I mean, they've been around a long time, right? Yeah. So what they do with their their normal Four Roses bottles, whether you just get Four Roses or small batch or small batch select, is they blend their recipes together to try to get a consistent product. And they've got ten recipes. Wow. So with the single barrels, um, especially like the single barrel store picks, you can go out and pick a barrel of one single recipe. So what gets blended into those, right? So OESO, um, that's four letters, OESO. Um, it's that recipe kind of tells you what the mash bill is, what type of yeast was used, that sort of thing. So this one was aged 10 years and these, these single barrel bottles are, they're really good. Now they're more expensive than your other Four Roses stuff as well, but uh, some of you come down, I'll, I'll let you try it out. I'll have to look for that. Uh, interestingly enough, Bob, I'm drinking uh, a beer tonight, but one that's been aged in uh, Berber Barrel, and it's New Belgium's Oakspire. I like that Special stuff. release. It's a collaboration with Four Roses. You've, you've had this before? I have. I like uh, it. Yeah, we had some, some friends up last week, and he brought a six-pack up for me. And I do like it a lot. Um, actually, I saw it on tap somewhere recently up here too. I didn't, I didn't know they had done it. I'm probably going to buy more of it. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. Nine percent alcohol, uh, Four Roses collaboration. They must have produced it fairly widely, I would guess. Um, yeah, I think they release it maybe once a year. Oh, do um, they? So I had some last year, and I saw some in the store when I went the other day. I've been going to a store down here that lets you buy single cans and just mix and match. Oh, nice. So I've been doing a lot of that. So you can just try different stuff. And if you like it, fantastic. You buy more later. And if you don't, you didn't buy a whole four pack or six pack of it, right? Like the so, good yeah, old wine styles when we had it. Yep. Didn't we have, uh, yeah, we had single bottle, right? Mix and match. Yeah, you did. Yep. We you were trendsetters. Right before you sold it, you were getting into the bourbon stuff too. Yeah. Uh, we're ahead of our time. We were ahead of our time. That's how, we that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, that's yeah. my story, and I'm sticking to it. That place was great. Why well, didn't I don't know if that's a good podcast money. conversation, but that place was great. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good luck on the home. Uh, I appreciate I'll, it. We'll, 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 Safe we'll uh, touch base. I think our next podcast will be with our guest from uh, uh, Better Angels. Um, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. That's Take a great care, organization. I'm looking forward to it. Take care, yep. Kevin. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.